exactly what I'm really excited for tonight's guest in the Honky Tonk Time Machine with 11 number one hits to his name and one of my all-time favorite country music singers. We are proud to welcome Clay Walker as our newest member. Clay, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. This is going to be fun. Oh, Glenn, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm honored and uh, love all those great country music fans around your area, around Cape Girardeau, all that. Just just great, great country music fans. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, we're, we're right here in a, a tri-state area, southeast Missouri, southern Illinois, western Kentucky. And, and yeah, we, we love you here, Clay. I'm very excited to talk to you, and, and it, especially about a new project that just came out at the end of July. Texas to Tennessee is the new Clay Walker album. Ten new songs on here, and i got to say, I'm loving what I'm hearing from this new album. Well, I appreciate it, Glenn. We, we worked really hard to <clears throat> really, you know, create a, an album that uh, was totally, you know, reflective of, of who I am as a person. And, and I, I think that's important if you can get that in there and uh, and also try to try to create something that could get played on today's radio, which is, is pretty difficult. And, you know, it, it's. It's really difficult when you have a bunch of hits and people start comparing all your all your songs, uh, which is fair, you know, to uh, your your greatest hits. And and uh, I think the, these these songs will hold up. Well, Texas to Tennessee, it, it's more than just a, a catchy title. There there's some layers to this. It kind of goes from that classic Texas sound to the current Tennessee modern sound, and it's kind of a, a mixture of all that, isn't it? Yeah, you know, te- uh, the, the title track. Uh, which is called Texas to Tennessee. That track in particular was uh, was very special to me. It's uh, you know uh, our producer Michael Knox. You know, whenever we approached him to to uh, produce this record, he he was uh, he said, "Man, I really want to do it." He said, I, "I have a vision for it." He said, "I'd like you to write all the songs on it." <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Well, I, I do write most of the songs." And during COVID, you know, we had a lot of time, so. Spent some time on uh, writing with some of the better writers in town, and uh, uh, also just reflecting on, you know, what was going on uh, in in the music business and on radio, and then what's going on in my, in my life, and and all these songs just just started gelling, uh, you know, because they they're really pieces of my life. You know, they're not just songs, or they're real pieces of my life. And Texas to Tennessee is uh, is about my journey, you know, since I met my wife Jessica and. You know, just just what we have, uh, you know, what we've endured, and 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 what we've also uh, <clears throat> some of the joys we've had together. So I'm I'm really proud that that, that it's reflective of, of my life. Little example of what I'm talking about: the song "Cowboy Loves a Woman" is a really good example of kind of the Texas side of things, isn't it? I love the opening line about the Montana sky. I just got back from a trip from Montana, so uh, that one kind of hit with me. But but yeah, "Cowboy Loves a Woman" that's that's kind of that Texas example, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, Cowboy Loves a Woman is definitely reflective of the way I grew up in Texas and the way I was uh, taught to to, uh, to to treat, you know, women in particular. And uh, it just, you know, I think it's, that, that may be Jess's favorite song on here. Um, she's, uh, you know, she's she's quite a, a the woman and. You know, I've always respected her since we met, and you know, our life has just gotten better since we've known each other. And you know, and I mean, like most people, you know, we all go through trials in our life, and you know, she just seemed to be that uh, that soothing balm, you know, that, uh, uh, that 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 made my life better, and continues to do that every day. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed that uh, that she's she's my wife, and 
she's the greatest mama I've ever seen in my life too. And, uh, you, you put all that together and, you know, I feel like women, you know, all women should be like, like princesses or queens, you know, and, and, uh, they deserve it. It's not like, it's not like they got to earn it. They, they, they actually deserve it. On the flip side of that, the single need a bar sometimes kind of reminds me of the more modern kind of Nashville, Tennessee sound. And that was actually the, the radio single got some good radio airplay really was a big streaming hit for you too. And I, I love the intro for that song. <laughs> yeah. The steel guitar intro on need a bar sometime, uh, you know, was, was something I, I just thought, man, you know, in today's world, this sounds country than anything out there. And, and I just, uh, I, I love the way it was produced. Uh, the way it got written was, you know, some of, some of my buddies and I were on the, on the Skype, we were, we were, we were writing our first song ever on zoom. And, uh, and I was like, uh, and I cannot believe this. I said, we should be sitting in a bar somewhere, you know, having a cold beers talking about life and just letting the song title fall out. I said, I guess we all need a bar sometime. And, and it just, it just went from there. Well, it really sounds good and fresh. And every once in a while, you do have to come to something a little bit different, throw a curveball every now and then. And I think this song does that, but still holds true to that pure country sound that you've always had now i think i heard that your favorite song from the new project is catching up with an old memory which wouldn't you know it is also my favorite song from the album yeah catching up with an old memory is is my favorite song on here and and reminds me of an old keith whitley song that uh that was called this is just between an old memory and me mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> it's uh you know i'm a i'm a sucker for those kind of songs uh but but i've you know, it feels nostalgic. You know, it feels like for opening line. Soon as it comes, soon as it comes on, you know, it 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 grabs my attention, and and most people who listen to it, it gets their attention. But it's uh, it's one of those, I guess, for lack of a better word, more of a subjective type song. It's about you, and you living your memories in that song, and and uh, we all have those, and. I think that's the best thing a song can do for a person is take them to a place that that either they want to be or they've been before, and it and it just it just seems so real. And, and uh, yeah, I would I would have to fight you know for for this one as my favorite, or or maybe uh, a close second would be uh, uh, I just want to hold you. Oh yeah, that I love that one too. You have ten really good pieces of work on this album, Texas to Tennessee which is available right now wherever you download music. I encourage our listeners to go and pick it up. I want to go back and revisit a comment you made about Keith Whitley. Just Between an Old Memory and Me was on his I Wonder Do You Think of Me album, and Travis Tritt actually had a hit with it in 1994 when he released it. But one thing most of the artists I talk to on this show have in common is some sort of influence or connection to Keith Whitley, and it sounds like he was a big one for you. Yeah, Keith Whitley was, uh, you know, my... One of, if not my favorite singer, when I was when I was first coming up, and you know, I, I loved George Strait as well. You know, they both were huge influences on me. Um, Whitley had this uh, this pain that you could just feel, you know, yeah. And, and no matter no matter what kind of he was singing, you could just hear it. And um, uh, you know, he had what I would call a, a little bit more edgy voice than George. George was uh, just such an awesome, you know, crooner and. I probably sound more like George than I do Whitley, but I, I just really, 
enjoyed and he left too soon you know it was uh, I, re- I remember the year that Keith Whitley died it was uh you know sudden tragic and and uh, that always leaves a mark on on you especially if you're a young person I was I think I was probably 17 or 18 whenever he died and, and it just I just remember the you know the whole country music world was like man this is such a loss you know because he had so many great things to do Merle Haggard was a influence on my songwriting. You know, my dad loved Merle, and and uh, and today, you know, I probably think that Merle is probably the best singer that ever lived. And and it just takes you a while to realize some things. And uh, so Merle had a, a big influence on my songwriting. Uh, I used to take one of his songs, and I would I would I would write out the words on a page, and then I would then I would take a blank page and think of a new idea. And try to make my song make sense by looking at the comparison of his words, and, and so that was a that was a very big, uh, very very big deal to me. You know, I, I've always loved songwriting, and Zamora was a quintessential, you know, songwriter and singer, and I, I don't, I think he did both excellent. Well, kind of sticking with that Texas to Tennessee theme that we've got going here, you know, Texas is where it all started for you, born and raised in the great state of texas I, I read that you were actually discovered in beaumont at a bar by the famous producer james stroud is that right that's right that's right i was <clears throat> i was playing a bar and and uh it actually started um mark chestnut and tracy bird had had her both gotten record deals playing another club at beaumont called cutters and i was i was competing you know against that club across the town and uh huh. This gentleman from Opelousas, Louisiana, walked in. Uh, his name was Nolan Simmons, and and he uh, he approached me after I finished a set, and he says, "I think you're a star." And uh, he says, As a "Matter of fact," he said, "I'm I'm gonna send somebody here to see you next week." And uh, he sent he flew someone down on his jet. It was James Stroud and their team from Giant Records, and they walked in, and two songs later, they'd already made up their mind that they were going to sign me to a record deal, and, and the rest is history. You talk about Mark Chestnut and Tracy Bird across town. Did you know those guys coming up? I know you went to the same high school as Tracy, but I don't think it was quite at the same time. Yeah, oddly enough, um, I went to uh, South Park uh, uh, Junior High, and then which is called MacArthur, and then, then South High School. Mark Chestnut went there as well, but he was he was a few years ahead of me. I think five or six years ahead of me. But I ended up meeting Mark Chestnut in in the clubs. My dad would take me out to hear him sing and, and hear his band. He had the best band around, and uh, and he sang so great. So I actually knew Mark. Um, then I ended up going to Viter High School, where Tracy was was, was there, and uh, he was a senior the year that I, I went over. And so I, I never met Tracy in high school, but. Uh, I knew who he was because I would go to basketball games and he played basketball. I played football, but um, he didn't. He didn't sing back then, as far as I knew. You know, in high school, uh, but I was singing at talent shows and things. And then later on, I ended up meeting him uh, uh, just before he got a record deal. But we we never we never really spent any time or, or knew each other very well. But I, I spent time around Mark, and you know, a lot of times I'd go out to the bar. I was too young, uh, but the 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 owner of the club worth would, would let me stay in there as long as I didn't drink. And, uh, I'd watch Mark and sometimes, uh, Mark and his wife who coincidentally is named Tracy, uh, would give <laughs> me a ride home. I, I lived on, I lived out on this old ranch, you know, that, that my, that had been passed down to my family for, 
you know, hundreds of years. <laughs> and so it was, it was pretty cool, you know, looking back on those memories. I, you know, actually bought my first amplifier from Mark, uh, a used one that he had. It was an old Reno amp and I bought it. And, but it was really cool because, you know, uh, he's always, he's always been nice. He's always been a, a, a great singer and I've always looked up to him a lot. What a sense of pride it must be to, to be able to kind of represent that area and represent it as well as you have. You know, we talk about those great artists that come out of there. I think George Jones even was, was from somewhere around there or was discovered around there too, wasn't he? Yeah, George Jones is, is, is from there. And uh, as a matter of fact, I used, to, uh, um, I used to drive by his house all the time. You know, he, he was a, he's an icon, obviously, and uh, a lot of, lot of history, a lot of stories. You know, he was... But George was uh, quite the rounder. You know, he, <laughs> he had the he had the reputation, you know, and and he earned it every every single bit of it. You know, one of the stories that that is that is true because you know I know some of the people involved in the story was his wife was cheating on him with uh, uh, first wife was cheating on him with with a guy that that owned a, an auto parts store, and uh, Jones heard about it, and and so he. He got in his uh, in his station wagon and and surprised him by crashing through the the front living room. <laughs> pulled out a pulled out a gun and the guy was trying to jump out the window and he shot him and he and he hit him in the foot and the guy ran off. So Jones drove around with a casket in the back of his station wagon <laughs> for about a month. And as soon as I find him, I'm killing him. He's going in that casket. <laughs> That's not a joke. <laughs> you know, that's a true story. And coincidentally, George Jones gave me my first paying gig. Um, I was uh, I was 17 years old, and I'd gone up to his country music park, and and, uh, and he he hired me, and uh, it was pretty. It was really neat. I, I got hired, and then, and then he came in to hear the sound check uh, one day, and I was doing an Eddie Arnold song, "Make the World Go Away," and and Jones came up to me after the deal, and he says, "You know," he says, uh, "He says you got that that special something." He said, "You're going to make it." He said, "But you got a long ways to go," <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. He was right. In typical George Jones fashion, I bet. Now, Clay, that's exactly the content I'm looking for. So thank you so much for sharing that. I had not heard that story, but I, I'm glad I have now. <laughs> well, I don't think I've ever told it. So. That's good. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be unique to you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after you get discovered, I guess, by James Stroud, I mean, it seems like instant success. I mean, five of your first six songs are, are number one hits with the outlier also being like somewhere around top ten. So was it that way? Did the fame kind of happen? almost overnight yeah it did it went by fast you know i i did not expect it to to go like that um i don't know if anybody can you know uh just you know i hit at a time you know where you had garth brooks and clint black and you know i was big fans of, of both of theirs and uh i opened for clint you know in beaumont uh, on a, a couple different occasions and uh so I think you know country music was just very hot at that time, and George Strait was blowing up with pure country, and uh, and we came out, and I think you know I didn't realize 
how much of a Texas twang I had. You know, when you grow up in a certain area, you don't think your voice sounds any different or your speech sounds any different than anybody else. But there was just some magic there, you know, between me and the fans. And I think what what sealed the deal was the uh, uh, Houston area uh, really started playing my songs. And, you know, that's a big market, major market. And uh, I, I had I had already moved to Houston and uh, and become basically a Houstonian and and we played the Houston Astrodome with the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo and that seemed to just catapult us you know in a way that uh, that that I wasn't prepared for you know I didn't have to say prepared but just wasn't expecting should I say and from there you've gone on to pick up eleven number one hits to this point along with so many other songs that have been up near the top of the charts, too. Because your catalog includes so many songs, instead of me asking you about each one, how about I just ask you if you have any interesting stories behind recording any of those monster hits you had? Sure, sure. So Live Until I Die was uh, a song that I had written when I was 17. And I I grew up, you know, on this, this... little ranch outside town that that uh about four miles out of the city limits and we you know we we were we were not very wealthy you know we were poor and uh you know I, we worked for everything you know we we planted gardens you know we, we we butchered hogs raised cattle um did did everything you know that you would you think of and and uh to survive and even a lot of times, you know, we were hunting, you know, to put food on the table, you know, whether that was rabbits or squirrels or, or ducks or geese or whatever we could kill. Mm-hmm. So I, I had this, you know, I was a, a true country boy and, you know, I, I really did not wear shoes. You know, we, we in the summer, you know, the only time we wore shoes was at school, but in the summer, um, I would, uh, we would, you know, we would go fishing and, uh, and for catfish, we had hoop nets and everything else and trot lines, and we were always barefoot. I never had shoes on. None of my cousins had shoes on. We were always barefoot. And so, you know, muddy roads, feet, all of that was just real true autobiography. Um, you know, and, that, and the line, live until I die, came from my dad. I was in the truck with my dad when I was a kid, and one of his sayings, whenever I'd ask him something, you know, that, that – a, he didn't know the answer to, which is rare, <laughs> or something he didn't want to, did not want to answer. He'd say, "I don't know, son." He goes, "I'm just going to live until I die." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so that that's where the came from. And uh, you know, my dad was was very much a John Wayne type, and and he just he was a big old guy, and and uh, you know, I mean, he was a a real cowboy. <laughs> I got to laugh sometimes, you know, um, uh, just at how just some of the, the the things I saw him do, you know, as a as a grown man, you know, a horse bit me one time. My dad hit him in the end of the nose, and I was knocked him completely down. It's <laughs> 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 stuff like that. I mean, you can't even make that up. And uh, but at any rate, uh, you know that that song brings back a lot of great memories memories for me and my. Uh, my my grandmother cooked, you know, blackberry cobbler all the time from from blackberries that we would go that we would go pick. You know, we we would we'd pick those blackberries along the, the gullies and laterals and, and it was around our house, and and then we would bring them back to her, 
and the sweetest smell I've ever smelled in my life was, was blackberry uh, cobbler. And so that's where that song came from, Live Until I Die. And I, I really just wrote it about growing up right where I grew up. Well, you have an amazing talent for writing songs, but there's also a talent in picking good songs. You know, George Strait being a great example of that and all the amazing songs he's picked over the years. You've also picked some really good ones that you didn't write. My favorite of those, probably Dreaming With My Eyes Open. How did that song come about for you? It's always been one of my favorite Clay Walker songs. Uh, when I first heard it, you know, I, I was like, I don't know if I can sing, do this song justice. You know, and most of the songs on my first album I actually wrote. and, and But I, I wasn't sure about that song. And, and uh, James Stroud, my producer, said, no, nah, sure, you Clay, this is a big song. And, and I got it for you from Tony Arata. I knew who Tony Arata was. Tony Arata wrote the dance for Garth Brooks. Mm-hmm. This guy's a huge writer and uh, just a phenomenal writer. He he has so much credibility in Nashville, still does. And and so I was in Los Angeles, and I'd never been out of out of Texas. You know, and here I am in Los Angeles, a cowboy in Los Angeles, walking around with a cowboy hat. <laughs> that was that was quite a sight. Uh, but we were we were doing uh, the soundtrack for a movie. And the movie was called uh, A Thing Called Love. And Rivers Phoenix was uh, the, the lead actor in it. I think he ended up ODing before the, the, the actual movie got released. But it, it, um, at any rate, the song Dreaming With My Eyes Open was supposed to be my very first single. And by the time we had recorded the whole album, we had played the album for <clears throat> some, some very key radio people in what we call Showcase. And What's It To You rose to the top. And uh, so What's It To You ended up being our first single. And it was the second most added song in history out of the box by any new artist. And then Dreaming With My Eyes Open ended up being the last single or the fourth one off of the album. And it was the most played song of the year at radio. So it, it, it we, I think we, we picked the songs right and, uh, and recorded them right. and Just had all the magic that you would hope to have in the first album. You know, it's interesting looking back now because in my mind, growing up in the 90s, I look at 90s country as traditional country music. It's traditional to me. But when you're making that music in the 90s, it's anything but traditional. And I read that it was James Stroud that kind of pushed you towards that sound. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, when I, when I, to me, country music was what I listened to. And that was George Strait, uh, Haggard, uh, you know, Keith Whitley, Earl Thomas Conley, and Earl was a stretch. You know, he was more more in, in the bluesy, uh, soulful vein. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I saw my career, you know, being much more like George Strait, and that's what I wanted. And when I, when I recorded that first album, I mean, you can hear those influences in there. But James Stroud really pushed, you know, for me to swing it more towards what was happening in the 90s. And, uh, he was smart to do that, you know. We had a we had a lot of disagreements uh, in the studio over that exact same thing, and uh, you know I regret those those disagreements because I was I was pretty hard on him, and but it was because it's what I believed, you know. I and and he was like, look, country music is not going to stay this way. It's going to progress. It's going to move, and you can see where it is today. I mean, it doesn't even sound like country anymore you know it's, right. it's very much just uh, the the format that has been abandoned and you know it's 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 the art should i say 
traditional country music has been abandoned and and I, I, unfortunately i don't think it's it's ever going back but fans can still listen to what they want to you know by streaming or or or, or, or listening to you know, a classic station or whatever they could still get what they want to hear but as far as new music goes you know if if you're going to fit in you know you got to you got to roll with the with the flow and um you know i feel like with our new record you know that we we bridged it about as much as we could. And that's exactly why I started this show, Clay. We've been on the air for about a, a year and a half, having artists such as yourself on that uh, really uh, embody that, that true country sound, or at least I feel like they do. And there are some new artists out there that are, that are trying to do so. I'm actually a big fan of a guy named Randall King. I just discovered him within the last, oh, I'd say year or so. And my first impression of him was that he actually kind of reminded me of you a little bit, like maybe a mixture of you and George Strait. That was the first thought that came to my mind. And then I see that you actually performed with him not long after that. You guys played the show, and then backstage you sang She Won't Be Lonely Long together, and it was awesome. Uh, what were your impressions of Randall? I think I think Randall King is a, is a great artist, you know, and uh, very traditional, and, you know, Hopefully, you know he gets some traction, and and uh, and because we need that that influence, you know, in uh, in our in our format, we need it, and 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 I think a lot of people recognize that we need it. It's 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 been talked about for about five years now, and no one's really done anything about it or really allowed, you know, a new artist that had a more traditional sound to really break in. And uh, and he's got a great label, you know. Warner Brothers is a, a fantastic label, so they got a lot of strength. Maybe they could influence it, you know, and, and make no mistake, I mean, radio's playing, you know, what's coming out of Nashville. Ra- country music radio is not abandoning, you know, uh, the, the traditional sound. It, it's our, it's our industry, you know, here in Nashville. So getting, having a, having a new guy come out with a little bit more of a traditional sound is pretty refreshing. I'm really glad to hear you say that because believe me, nobody wants to play traditional country music more than me. Like I said, it's the reason. I started this show, but if Nashville's not putting it out, we're a country top 40 station. Our hands can kind of become tied at that point. But on the same token, if you're actively looking for good country music, you can find it out there. And that's what we're trying to do. So uh, what's coming up for you, Clay? You got some some big shows coming up? Yeah, I'm very excited about uh, doing shows. You know, we're starting to see uh, a lot of of people come out of shows, uh, had, had some sellouts. Which is great. Uh, sold out the Woodlands, Texas, which is a big, big venue there outside Houston. Sold out Abilene, Texas, uh, and we also have seen, you know, um, some places where people are still afraid to get out and and mingle. And uh, and I understand that too. You know, it's it's uh, the information that changes. You know, uh, almost weekly, sometimes daily, uh, for what's safe and what's not safe, and and I'm as confused as anybody else is. Uh, so it, it's 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 going to take a little while. Hopefully, 2022 will be uh, a banner year. But but this year, I can't complain. We we've 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 been able to hit some spots and and see people show up uh, and in droves and and they're excited. I mean, it, it's like there's no rust. You know, they're not rusty. The fans are not. They are screaming their heads off and and loving the music and every word and and. Just, just what you would hope, 
This is what you'd hope for. Clay Walker, our guest tonight in the Honky Tonk Time Machine. We're, we're going to close out the show, Clay, by playing uh, the last song from your new album, Texas to Tennessee, One More, which um, we have kind of a last call <laughs> song of the night, so it, it fits perfectly into that slot. And uh, it, it's it's co-written by a guy who's actually been on the show, uh, I think it was last summer, David Lee Murphy, who is a, a great songwriter who just has written for just about everybody at this point. David Lee Murphy is, uh, he may be the best songwriter in this town. <laughs> he, is, he is so good. He came over to my house and we, 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 we laughed for about 20 minutes just, just talking about stuff and, and just, he's a great guy and a great hang. And, uh, uh, one more was, uh, was his idea, which, you know, you can imagine, like, I'm going to take the back seat and, and let him lead. And he did because you know dust on the bottle is always going to be a classic. You know it's going to it's one of the greatest songs of all time. Yeah, and uh, and he's one of the greatest people of all time. So we we really we really cranked it up on on uh, on this one. I I had told him I said man I said I want to I said I love this Eric Church song called put all you got to do is put a drink in my hand and, and and he goes really I said yeah I said I love this this groove you know. It's so, uh, and Dave said, we got grooves for days. And he just <laughs> sat back with that guitar, started rocking. <laughs> Here we go. And, and it, it came out so good. I'm so proud of it. I, when I first heard it, I didn't know that he co-wrote it. And then after seeing that he did, I, I should have known. I mean, it, it, it fits his style perfectly. So, Clay, uh, I appreciate your time so much. Uh, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us today and, and, and doing this. And I, I wish you good luck with the new album moving forward. Make sure you pick up the album, Texas to Tennessee. It's available now wherever you download music. Thanks again, Clay. Oh, Glenn, you're great. I appreciate it very much, man. You are a, a great interview. And hey, feel free to call me anytime. We'll do it again.